Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. We are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. And I've entitled the message this morning, Take the Air Out of Your Worship. Take the air out of your worship. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate to those he's teaching this morning. And the last thing this broken world needs today are Christians that are puffed up, that are full of themselves and full of hot air. The last thing this broken world needs to see is people that are Christians because they want to be recognized as a Christian for their actions rather than their faith. Today we live in a world that doesn't care what you say. They want to see your faith in the actions that you and I carry out. So with that said, speaking of taking action, I want to tell you about a man you may have heard of, may not have heard of. His name was Lenny Skutnik. Lenny Skutnik. You may not remember or never heard of Lenny, but his story is truly one of an ordinary an extraordinary person that started off in the face of tragedy. He saw something and he could not just stand by. Lenny had no intention of being a hero that day. He worked as a congressional budget office worker and he worked in Washington. It was an ordinary day when Air, Flight, Air Florida Flight 90 crashed into the 14th Street Bridge over the Potomac River shortly after takeoff, and those who survived the crash faced death as the plane was sinking into the icy waters. And so Larry Skutnik saw that happen. He was on the side, and all of a sudden he saw the the helicopter raising up a woman, and she lost her strength. She let go, and she fell back into the water. Well, he didn't yell for somebody to help her. He jumped in himself. He jumped in that icy cold Potomac River, and he went and saved her life. And if you can see on the picture, that was the top picture of him doing that, rescuing that woman. And so two weeks later, he was recognized by President Reagan at his State of the Union address. And this is what President Reagan said about Lenny. He said, we saw heroism of one of our young government employees, Lenny Skutnik, who, when he saw a woman lose her grip on the helicopter line, divided or dived into the water and dragged her to safety. He was honored by the President of the United States, not because he tried to draw attention to himself, but because he did what was right in the moment of crisis. And that's what God is calling us to do, is to, to not try to be recognized for what we do, but just to see a need and do it. And and my friends, I promise you today, again, I've said it enough, I'll say it again. We live in a broken world. Things are not working right. It's not meant to work right. This world is a temporary dwelling. This is not our home. The Bible says that we are aliens and strangers here. That one day, just like our bodies, for those who believe in Christ, will be resurrected and we will have our heavenly bodies so this earth will be destroyed and resurrected into a new heaven and a new earth. So until that day comes, we have to do our best to fix what is broken and God has called us to do that. But Satan tells us that we need to be sure that everything we do is seen and praised. Yet God reminds us that any attempt to promote ourselves is eventually going to backfire on us. 
So here's the thing. The danger of having a puffed up faith is that it makes you an easy target. And Jesus reminds us today that we would be wise to place more emphasis on who we are worshiping rather than when we are worshiping or how we are worshiping. There are churches that are divided every day because the choruses were too long, the hymns were too old, the sermon was too long, the preacher was too hip, the preacher was not hip enough, the temperature was off, the carpet was wrong, the decorations looked weird, somebody got mad because their their pie didn't win the baking contest. All of these crazy things that people argue over. And these are not the things that we are to focus on. We are to focus on Him. And so our first point that we see in the Scriptures as we start in Matthew chapter 6 is that does God get the honor in your giving to others? Does God get the honor in your giving to others? Well, Jesus says in verse 1, watch out. Pretty self-explanatory. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and the streets to call attention to their actions of charity. I'll tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So what does that mean? When we give to be seen, the glory will be short-lived. Jesus here was confronting those who would make sure that everyone knew that they were giving to the poor. They would make a loud announcement. They would give many details on what was given, on how spiritual they were for giving it. Just as an illustration, our televisions and social feeds are filled with people who are giving away things to people in need. There were extreme home makeovers, vehicle makeovers, mommy makeovers, man makeovers, all kinds of makeovers. And we love it. We love to see the big reveal. Oh, they look so pretty. It's so great. That's what I say. I don't know about y'all, but and it probably sounds just like that. But the truth of the matter is, is that on these makeovers, we love to see someone receive a gift with the small hope in our heart that one day maybe that could happen to us, right? But uh, I am not criticizing this practice of makeovers and all that. But I'll tell you the truth, these stories, when you see them on television or you see them on social media, quite often they are scripted, they are edited, the people are handpicked. And there's always the small print of all those things that are given to those people. And then if you you find out years later that on some of these things that were given away, if somebody was, you know, they had a mommy makeover or a daddy makeover, they're going to get older. All that work's going to go to put later, I mean, later on in life. And you, you hear about these extreme home makeovers where the people got this beautiful home, but they couldn't afford to keep it up. I mean, there's always this back end of, but, and I'm not, again, I'm not throwing that under the bus, but here's the thing. The television crews, the actors, the television studios, the advertisers, there was a lot of money 
that was made off of that. Where are the camera crews when Habitat for Humanity builds a house? Where are the camera crews when the Baptist men are doing disaster relief? Where are the cameras at when you are helping someone by giving them, whether it be a dollar when you see them, or food out of a pantry, or just even bringing a canned good to a church event? There's no cameras there, are there? And I'm going to tell you what Jesus says. You know what? That's okay. That's all right. Because God will give you more opportunities to give of yourself when you are more concerned with honoring Him than yourself. There's a term called being on mission. And the problem is is that in, in our church, I'm very grateful, again, like I said, for our WMU because they keep missions before us. And our mission action team keep missions before us. And I, my prayer is, is as we get some younger folks in here, that we can do even more, not with money, but with our hands, with our feet, to be able to do mission projects and to be on mission. Because I'm going to tell you what, if a church is not on missions, they are focused on themselves and it will eventually implode. We need to make sure that we're giving, not because we want people to say, oh, Holman Park Baptist Church is great because they give. No, that's not what we want. We just want people to see us as being real. People want to see you as being real. And God doesn't call you and I to act as a believer. He calls us to be one. Notice it said in verse 2, when you give someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets. To call attention to their acts of charity. The word hypocrite ultimately came to our English language from a Greek word that meant to play a part. It meant to be an actor or to be a stage player. If you have studied uh, the Greek history and you, especially in the entertainment industry, you know the, the masks of comedy and tragedy, they would have players that would come out and they would play in these big areas and if they only had a few actors they would use different masks to represent different characters the term hypocrite has that kind of connotation is that when we as believers act like believers but are not truly believers we are acting the part and that's what jesus is condemning here you see he says in here that the religious were literally blowing trumpets when they gave. Now they may not have been actually blowing trumpets, but they, Jesus is using hyperbole here to say, look, actually these people are making a big deal about when they are giving. But giving is to be seen the mark of a fake believer who thinks that they are the real deal. If they are giving to be seen. The thing is, God sees our giving. Now in, in just a, a few short days, my wife and I will be going through the TSA of uh, uh, airport. Any of y'all ever had to go to the TSA? Isn't that fun? I was telling our Bible study class, look, I'm all for that because I want us to be safe. But it's kind of awkward because what they do is when you, right before you get there, you've got your boarding pass, you've got your carry-ons, you've got all these different things, and they say, uh, oh, by the way, you need to take your belts off. Okay? By the way, you need to take your shoes off. So, and then they say you need to walk towards this, this scanner where you stand. And so here I am trying to hold my pants up, trying to hold my shoes. And then they say, put both arms in the air. Ain't happening, Captain. You know, 
But, but, but the truth of the matter is, is when I look up and I see the screen, I see an x-ray of my body that the hospital would have charged me thousands of dollars for. And, I, and, and of course, they're looking to make sure I'm not putting some kind of contraband on, on me. And I, and I appreciate that. But the thing is, is that I can't hide from that. And the thing is, is that God does an x-ray of your heart and my heart. God does an x-ray of your motives and my motives. And though we think we can hide something from God, nothing is hidden from God. And that's what Jesus tells us here. He says, give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. You see, God knows what you and I have. God knows what you and I give. And God knows what you and I hold on to. And he knows what our intentions are. Do not give to make yourself feel better, to be seen or in a certain light. Give to give honor to God because he knows the difference. Now he moves from giving to now he moves to praying and fasting. And he says in verse 5, he says, When you pray, by the way, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I'll tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think your prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask them. Does that not amaze you? That your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask Him. Why do you even need to ask Him? If anybody in here has ever been responsible for children, either in leading them or having them and raising them, you pretty much know what your children want before they ask. But isn't it nice when they do ask and say yes and please? It just, it, it warms your heart. And it warms God's heart when he knows what we want. But sometimes he just wants to know that we love him enough to tell him. And prayer is for God to see you, not for others to see you. You see, public prayer, though, is not a sin. When, when I pray in public or, or someone else comes up here and prays in public or you, you say your, your grace at your table or you hear people praying, that's not, he's not saying that as a sin. What Jesus is saying is that praying to be seen and heard by others is not what he considers to be prayers. Now, I'm, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but you can tell the difference between someone praying to be heard by others and someone to be heard by God. Any prayer that is meant to impress anyone other than God will not be heard by God. So the question is, does God hear our prayers? Not if they are filled with the wrong motives. But we see here true power comes from disciplined prayer. You may remember the movie a few years ago called War Room about a woman that is taught to turn her closet into a war room where she goes and she prays for her family that is not doing well. She prays for situations and she has a little post-it board where she has all of her notes and she has her Bible and, and she is intentionally turning that closet into a war room of prayer. And so the thing is, we see that she has disciplined herself to pray. 
Just as we are excited to enter this place of worship this morning, I love entering here. I love seeing you folks. We know this is a place where God is going to do business. Do you have a place where you go to do business with God on your own? Do you have a war room? It may not need to be a closet. Maybe it's the seat of your vehicle. Maybe it's the back porch. Maybe it's the front porch. Maybe it's a special chair in your house or the kitchen table before the kids get up. Do you have that place to where you are earnestly praying for God to do something, not to be seen, not because it's expected, but just because you want to talk to God? That's the kind of prayer that God wants to hear. And another thing, too, when you're praying, Jesus says, use your words. When you're praying, use your words. God is not interested in your vast vocabulary. He is not impressed if you won your fifth grade spelling bee. He is not impressed if you can pray like some of the the best preachers that you have heard of. He wants to hear your heart. Some of my best prayers have been, God, this stinks. (laughs) Or God, I love you. Or God, this is awesome. We approach him with reverence. But we don't have to use big words. We can just talk to him because he knows our hearts already. I don't know about you, but that takes a lot of pressure off of praying. Because there are people that, I know some people are terrified of public prayer. Like, for example, if I were to say, I'm going to call on one of you right now at random to pray. Everybody would be like, is he done yet? Hey, I, I get I get it. I mean, there's there's the whole public speaking and, and talking in front of crowds. Uh, truth be known, I get really nervous talking to people. And it's just something that the Lord deals with. But the thing is, is that if I would rather hear somebody up here or out there stumbling to find their honest words and someone that can say the most eloquent prayer with the biggest church words you've ever heard. God knows our hearts and he knows our words. And then the third thing that we see is that Jesus gives us a model prayer. Now, we went into some detail with this on Wednesday night, taking one section of the prayer each night. But just I'm going to give you a quick overview of the Lord's Prayer where he says, Jesus says, look, pray like this. Now, again, he says, pray like this, not pray this. Look, if you can repeat the Lord's Prayer, I don't know whether you're a trespasses or a debts or or whichever one you are. But the thing is, there is nothing wrong with saying the Lord's Prayer. But if you say it cold and it doesn't even go through your heart, you're going back up a couple verses where he said, I don't want to hear your loud, repetitive words. The Lord's Prayer is a pattern. And so what we see here is that our Father in heaven... By saying our Father in heaven, that gives us perspective. He's up there, we're not. He is God, we are not. May your name be kept holy. Holiness is a big deal. It shows the weight of our responsibility to be set apart for God's use. It says, may your kingdom come soon. This is a reminder of our mission. Folks, Jesus Christ is coming back again. Just as we celebrate his first coming with the birth of Jesus, he will come back again, except he won't be a little cute baby. He will be a king and a warrior. If you believe in the birth, you need to believe in the return. It's a reminder of our mission. And he says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that's a reminder that we must yield to his will. It's not us telling God what we want him to do, but God telling us what he wants us to do and getting on board with that. Then he says, give us today the food we need. Or some translations say, give us this day our daily bread. That is actually a callback 
to the manna back in the Old Testament where God would give them what they needed every day. And if they tried to store it, it would rot. So this talks about God's provision. Then we see, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Woo, that forgiveness word. Everybody, you know, we're not excited about that sometimes. I know as receiving forgiveness we are, but giving it, eh, that's a different story. But what he includes this in this model prayer because the same mercy that God extended to us, we are to extend to other people. And then he says, and don't let us yield into temptation where we see God's protection over us. But he says, but rescue us from the evil one where we see that he has the power to do that. So that all brings us to the fact that our forgiveness of others must be as real as his forgiveness of our sins. He he takes this whole subject of forgiveness and he addresses it in verse 14 where he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will refuse to forgive you of your sins. Some of you, the minute I said that, the hair on the back of your neck stood up. It's going to be hard to forgive. But you were forgiven. I have been forgiven. And we are to extend that to others. You say, I can't do that, preacher. Maybe not today, but we can pray for you. And you can pray for that to happen one day. The purpose of fasting is to focus on God, not for others to focus on you. It says in verse 16, And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. In other words, it's a, oh, I'm going to try to, you know, I haven't eaten and I haven't done these things. And so I'm just going to try to look as poor as I can. And people say, oh, what's wrong? And that gives you the opportunity to tell them how spiritual you are for fasting. Jesus is not impressed with that. He says, verse 17, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. (laughs) Comb your hair, wash your face, and no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who gives, who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. There's that whole phrase again. The purpose of fasting, what is fasting? Fasting is going without something. The most uh, common way of fasting is to give up food for a certain length of time or a type of food. Or for others, it might be giving up a habit or giving up uh, whatever it may be. And and you know, usually around Lent, you'll see some people that they're posting on Facebook and they're telling everybody what they're giving up for Lent. So everybody can talk about it and talk about what they're giving up. I kind of think that defeats the purpose of giving up something for Lent, doesn't it? What is the purpose of fasting? It's not a weight loss program. The purpose of fasting is that when we have these cravings and when we have these desires, we re-divert them back to God. And, and instead of craving those things, we work on our craving of God. And that's what Jesus is honored through. So in conclusion, I'd say like Larry Skutnik, don't look around at this broken world and wait for someone to jump in and do something. You may be the very one that needs to rescue somebody. Jesus said himself, you are light of the world and you are salt of the earth. What good is the salt if we never put it on the table? Or what good is the salt if we never put it on our food? 
We need to think less of what others think about us and be more concerned with what God thinks about us. So during this Christmas season, may your hearts be turned toward Jesus as the ultimate gift that God has given to you. Sometimes we need to take the air out of our worship. And remember that worship is not about what we can get out of it, but what we give to him and to others. So we need to do three things to let the air out of our worship. Stay humble. Stay hungry. And be holy. And the only way that you'll be able to do this, it's not in your own strength, but it is through having a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you have taught us how to live. And you, in this Sermon on the Mount, you are teaching us how to fix this broken world by fixing ourselves. And Lord, if there is anyone in here today that has struggled with what has been mentioned or your Holy Spirit is pulling on their hearts and you are pulling them to become a child of yours, if you are telling them to lay down all of their shortcomings and lay down their sins and to give them to you so that they can start afresh and anew today in a relationship with you, that that blood that was shed for their sins, they can be forgiven and they will be remembered as far as the east is from the west no more. If there's one person here today that needs to know you as their Savior and Lord, may they come forward in just a moment. If they don't want to come by themselves, may they grab the hand of someone. There is not one person that would regret waiting an extra minute to see someone come into your kingdom. Maybe someone wants to join this church or like Adam, be baptized and to follow through with that act of obedience. Or join this church or just come to the altar and pray, whatever it may be. Dear Heavenly Father, this invitation time is for a time for you to be glorified. And may your spirit pull and your spirit draw. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Please stand.